Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 7th Man Podcast. I'm Will Beverina. I run Dimer2k.com and write about the NBA 2K League. And I am Josiah Cohen, and I also write about the NBA 2K League for Dimer2k.com. We're back for episode 16. You can check out all of our previous episodes on the YouTube channel. Just search 7th Man Podcast. And we have most of our episodes at this point on iTunes and Podbean as well. Last time we did this, Josiah, we talked to Eli Wade of 2K Analytics, had a great conversation with him, which you should definitely check out. As always, want to thank everyone who has listened to any of the episodes so far. The support is always appreciated. So there was a draft last week, Josiah, and plenty to talk about from that. We were actually on hand at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn to cover the event for Dimer, which was very exciting and exhausting at the same time met a lot of people from the community there way too many to mention but if we talk to you then shout out to you josiah you've written pretty extensively about your draft thoughts so we'll try not to be redundant here as we talk about the draft but what was your general impression as you said exciting and exhausting um it felt really different for for me since i'd been to the season one draft at msg in 2018 and so this time around I felt like I knew so many more people and was so much more invested in what the actual picks were last year I didn't really have much of a clue but this year was just a a great experience already being immersed in the league and the community itself and this was a really great chance to see that actualized in real life yeah this was my first draft I, I wasn't able to cover last year so I was very excited for this um and it didn't disappoint for sure, because there's there are a lot of big talking points from this draft, Josiah. So let's start out with the first curveball of the draft. We both know it's Plondo at six. An interesting pick, Josiah, to say the least. I was absolutely astounded when Commissioner Brendan Donahue announced that the Bucks had selected Plondo. I'd had Plondo going to the Bucks in the second round in my last mock draft, I believe. I'd had Bear to Beast going to them at 6th overall in the majority of my previous mock drafts. It really seemed like just an absolute reach by the Bucks. Obviously, we'll only hear the results of that when the season comes around, but one has to wonder you know, exactly why the Bucks felt the need to grab Plondo there. He, he's certainly a very talented player and someone who certainly fits their system as well, but simply taking him at 6th overall when... There were a number of very, very talented players that are available at perhaps positions of greater need. Makes makes you really wonder about what exactly went into that pick in the war room. Josiah, I'm going to defend the Bucks here. And not because I actually like their draft. I don't, I don't really think they had a great draft. I think they're one of the few teams that didn't have a great draft. I think most teams did pretty well. The Bucks were not one of those teams. But I'm going to defend the Bucks here. Okay, so Sam Pham was the uh, draft analyst for the Bucks going into this. He tweeted out something after the draft about they wanted two-way players, which, you know, you go into the draft with a plan, you stick to your guns, that's fair enough, I think. And we can sit here and say, Josiah, oh, they could wait till the 17th pick to get Plondo or Slay and, and gotten both those guys with the 17th pick and, 
and the 26th pick. But if you are that invested in trying to get these guys and they are so crucial to your draft strategy, why leave it to chance, right? Just just get your guy. Plondo's your guy. You got to go out and get him. Slay's your guy. You got to go out and get him. That's yeah. fair enough. And, and we'll see how it works out. I'm going to not defend the Bucks now and say, it, it, I don't know. A lot was made about Plondo and Slay's chemistry on Island Gang and that being a big reason why they were drafted together and Slay has the Milwaukee connections. If that's the actual reason, Josiah, I'm. If it's the biggest reason, then that's not nearly good enough, in my opinion. Uh, if it's part of the reason, then it's still a little bit shaky. You have to really hope, I think, that Plondo ends up being like a top seven or so center in the league if you're going to grab him with the sixth pick. He's the third center off the board, I believe. At six, you have to get a guy who you think is going to be a difference maker. And to pass up, especially on a guy like Bear, who's probably a lot more dynamic in the backcourt, it's, like I said, it's a very interesting pick. Well, first I'm going to rebut what you said earlier, Will. And that's, Go ahead. That, that's to question the fundamental axiom supporting your defense of the Bucks draft. It's fine to go out and get your guys. That's the only way a team is really going to be happy at the end of a draft. But why are those your guys, right? And once that question has been satisfactorily answered by the Bucks, I won't be able to consider this Bucks draft a huge success. Furthermore, we look at the Island Gang connection, and then you realize that It's Chaz was there in the fourth round, right? It's Chaz, also an Island Gang member. And he was there in the fourth round, and yet they went with Red Stick Gamer. And look, there there are questions surrounding various teams' draft processes in this draft, and the Bucks are one of those teams. It seems to me that the Bucks were very locked into their players before the draft started and did everything in their power to ensure that those players would be available and that they would be able to select those players without being impeded by the actions of other teams. When a guy like Chaz falls, who you don't necessarily think is going to fall to the fourth round, remember the Bucks didn't have a third round pick. Um, so if a guy like It's Chaz falls and falls and falls, do you stick to your guns and do you stick to a guy who's locked in? Or do you go away from that and pick a guy who falls closer within the parameters of what you set as being your must-haves for the draft. And that makes me question the entire Bucks draft strategy and makes me very, very eager to see how they do in the regular season. Yeah, it's, it, those are all very fair points. And it, I was just thinking just now, they, the Bucks kind of have the opposite problem of what they had last season, where I think the Bucks had a lot of talent last season, just they had no idea how to make it all fit together, and they changed their lineup seemingly every game. Well, now they seem to have a plan of how everything is going to fit. It's a matter of whether the talent is there. So um, that was just 
an observation from me. Uh, a couple picks later, Josiah, let's let's talk about um, another bit of a surprise. Bully at eight to the Celtics. A bit out of left field, but actually not too surprising maybe when you consider there were definitely other teams interested in him, especially in the first round. What do you think of that pick? Yeah, I'm going to throw out some team names here. Bully sort of raced up my mock draft um, right before I put out 5.0 a few hours before the draft um, at least one team was guaranteed to take him in the late first round if he had not fallen there um, look these are guys I think what the bully pick points to and what people are going to have to start understanding is that the NBA 2K League is not the professional NBA 2K Pro-Am League it is the professional NBA 2K League. And what that means is that when you have talented players in a mode like Team Up, you have to account for them. And when you have those Team Up guys being very familiar with your star point guard who's already proven himself in the league, you try to get those guys so that they accord with your star point guard who's already proven himself in the league. And that's what the Celtics did. I'm not sure if or how worth the reach it was. Um, And I will say that it was a reach, simply because um, they could, if they had been in the 18th overall selection, for example, uh, they would have been able to take them there. Um, But it's not a reach in the sense that they only had one pick in the first round, and they got him there. And they would not have gotten him in the second round, and so they did what they had to do to ensure to get him. We get, we we returned to the paradigm of if they're your guy, go for it. Um, so it's a reach, and it's not a reach. I think this one bodes well for the Celtics um, due to Bully's connection with Fab. I think what separates the Celtics from the Bucks is that Fab is an eminently proven point guard, um, and Drake on the Bucks is supposedly eager to be moved or move to shooting guard, depending on how you look at it. Um, And so when you have a cornerstone like that, you can't afford to sort of draft more by position and target players who fit in line with that system. When you're creating a system from scratch, yes, you do go out and get your guys, but it becomes a little less certain and a little more up in the air as to how you proceed in the draft. Well, we talk about that that uh, idea that you have your guys, you go out and get them. I'm not going to act like I know much about Bully. I'm not deep into the team-up community at all. That being said, Josiah, they still went out in the second round and got no autographs, which uh, did you have Did you have him to the Celtics at eight in your final mock draft? Not in my final one, but I had him there for several mock drafts. He's, he's an absolute steal for them there. Yeah, so you if if the Celtics they probably had that intel right that Bully was definitely gonna go in the first round at some point, so you go out and get him, and you still get your guy in no autographs later on in the second round. That's a pretty good haul, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It certainly worked out very very well for the Celtics. Um, one has to expect that they had some intel that no other team really was going to be looking at no autographs in the first round or the early second round, um, or they just had a, a fortuitous draft. 
um, and that can't be discounted. But at the end of the day, they they certainly got their guys, and they got them in a way that precluded other teams from doing so, which is, I suppose, the definition of getting your guys. But it definitely worked out well. We we can critique theoretically how they did it, but what we can't deny is that they did it. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of makes me wonder if the Bucks had some sort of intel. Maybe Plondo was going earlier than we all assumed. Um, just in the sense of fairness to the Bucks, we don't want to pick on them too much. But uh, it's somewhat comparable and somewhat not comparable situations, I think. Right. I Yes, and certainly I am not discounting the Bucks from contention in Season 2. No team is eliminated yet. No team has taken the court yet. Um, you know, these are all preliminary expectations and analysis. And, you know, we know that the Bucks did what they thought they had to do to get their players, get their front office personnel. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly hoping they prove our, our early expectations very wrong. All right, now, Josiah, moving on. Every draft has that one guy who falls way further than anyone expects them to. With this draft, Josiah, it was definitely Jay Money, a guy you'd think would go in the first round just based on his talent, based on his pro-am accomplishments. But he fell all the way to the heat at the end of the third round. What happened there? Uh, an absolutely miraculous confluence of circumstances for Famous and the Heat. Jay Money, I think, by talent alone, was a certain first-round pick. Um, his interviews may have not gone so well as his draft stock was hoping for. His previous um, situations and circumstances in connection with the league may have been a serious detriment to his draft stock along with his interviews. Uh, but what I think this, this pick really rests on for the Heat is they felt they have the organizational hierarchy and strength to deal with any of those potential issues and to overlook those in favor of the talent that they are most certainly getting. Uh, and I think they're right. I think they've proven that they have a winning culture and a team that you know is confident in its leaders and a team that's confident in its style of play and a team that is not willing to take anything as it were from uh, a player talking back um, they, they've been through their share of adversity um, and they're going to use that to try and acclimate Jay Money as for other teams not trying to seize upon that opportunity you never know you know some teams may have thought the potential risks far outweigh the potential reward they may have you know not not had him on their board may have not needed him may have never considered him and weren't willing to change their draft process um, but it's it's remarkable, I think, that such a talented point guard fell to the very end of the third round, um, and I think this, this bodes very well for what the Heat have on the table, uh, especially since we all knew they were looking for a point guard. They didn't get a point guard in the, with their first-round pick, and then one of the best ones in the drafts fell to them all the way in the third round. Yeah, there, there was definitely something going on there. We won't speculate. We, uh, we don't really know why exactly you fell but i mean what an absolute gift to the heat uh they <laughs> I, w I was saying before this draft you know it, it would not surprise me at all if they did end up taking a point guard with that first round pick i wasn't entirely convinced that majestic was suited for that role which 
Um, they tried uh, that at the beginning of season one, and obviously they they took off once they were able to move Hotshot to the shot creating slasher. But I mean, if if you had to pick a team, Josiah, where a guy maybe with character issues or something is is gonna go and succeed it's gonna be the team that has a u.s army veteran and a cop right like Mm. that that is the (laughs) one team you would want that guy to go to (laughs) good point very good point and we we actually talked to famous after the draft and you know we asked him about it and he was he was like he was convinced you know Jay Money's not going to cause any problems. Jay Money said he's not going to cause any problems. So why not snap him up? Uh, late third round pick to get a guy with with first round potential. I think you take that every time. Just take that risk. And um, if it doesn't work out, it sucks. But uh, very high ceiling move, right? And there are not a lot of high ceiling moves to be made at the end of the uh, at the end of the third round so um i'm a big fan of it um no matter what these uh whatever issues were and i think it's going to end up working well for both jay money and the heat i think so too i think that there is no team and and no manager potentially as capable of making a player cognizant of what is at stake and what is on the line as the Heat and and Famous are. You know, Famous tries to do this on Twitter. Um, You know, there's such a difference between Pro-Am and being in the league, not in terms of gameplay alone, but in terms of overall lifestyle and countenance and uh, conduct. And, you know, he does so much to try and impress that upon people that I think this is really the perfect place for Jay Money to land. Yep, so I think we're both in agreement there. Let's talk about another interesting point from this draft, Josiah, that I'd really like to explore here, and that's the run of unretained players going in the first in the fourth round. Sorry, we had twelve unretained season one players get selected in the fourth round. Some of those going to their old season one teams. Some of those going to new teams. What does that trend tell us about this league, Josiah? I think this is a good sign for the league, actually, in that it realizes that this is a long game. This is not just a, a one- or two-year wonder. This is a long game where you need to be aware of who's on your team, what personalities are on your team, and you need to have some familiarity with those going into the season. Um, having experience is a vital, vital thing, especially since... They, these are some of the only guys who actually have experience in this, right? There, there are not boundless season one players who you can bring in, you know, as, as a late season acquisition to provide some veteran mentorship off the bench. This is not the NBA in that way. There are only a select few number of players who had the experience of being in the league, of playing in the league, who can contribute that experience for your younger players. And so it's not really a surprising trend to me at all. You know, it might have been very dramatic, especially since seven unretained players went consecutively at one point. Um, but I think it's it's generally a smart move by teams thinking in the long run. Yeah, I think this this said a lot. You, you know, with with two K Twitter, you get all the people talking big about being a good teammate and everything, and, and like googling quotes from John Wooden or whatever. 
this was like the the solid actual evidence that this kind of thing matters you're talking about guys who did not get a lot of playing time like a guy like jomar he played in what one game all season and he gets drafted back splash king who didn't really make much of an impact on the court he goes back to the pistons this is like finally we can it it should be a wake-up call to people i think these people that think that this league is all about your skill and if you know as long as as you're one of the 150 best players in the world you're going to be in this league it's not true we see that now you have to be a good teammate and there were plenty of guys we we you see the shots being fired all the time on twitter between season 1 teammates um so many teams where the players just ended up not liking each other at all and it turns out if you were a bad teammate you may have shot yourself in the foot and may have gone undrafted in season 2 and now you may have that reputation as a bad teammate and that's a very hard reputation to try and wash off of you. So it's um, I I thought there would definitely be um, at least a few uh, of this kind of uh, a few players from season one being drafted back to season two. Uh, these six men bench guys. I wasn't expecting it as much as it actually happened. Josiah twelve unretained players in the fourth round i think is a crazy number and that that i did not expect yeah it's definitely a lot i think we were of the mindset for most of the pre-draft process that it would be about 10 15 unretained players yeah, uh, in, the, like in the later rounds particularly yeah uh, but, we, but we saw a good number you know go fairly early on i'm so far ahead or now doza as he's going to change his gamer tag to um, went to the Raptors. Um, we saw Like a Pro jump up in there to Cavs Legion, and then Ball Like Seam to the Kings with the first pick of the second round. And then it sort of slowed down, but by the third round, and then as as we've discussed in the fourth round in particular, uh, the unretained players really picked up. I suppose we can't really call them the unretained players now. Yeah, they're um, you know they're twice drafted players. Twice and, dra- I uh, like that. I like that. Twice drafted players, and there were around, uh, over twenty. I I want to say. I want to say twenty three. I I'm, I'm I'm trying to do count really quickly. I'll ramble on while you count. Okay, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I think, and there were a lot of steals in that fourth round. You know, it wasn't just a familiarity sort of situation. The Mavs got grant at 59 which is a terrific pick he's proved himself on 2k19 he proved himself in the league last year as one of the most efficient sharpshooters in the entire league the magic at 63 got tucker locks up who could easily have been retained by the pacers or or by any number of teams very very good defensive big man um you have to love nacho trainer going to the t wolves at 66 where he gets to reunite with fellow former Magic Gaming uh, person, Raina Hawkins, but great chemistry guy, of course. Um, T.S. Josh, back to the Raptors at 69 overall. Um, I, I think he was so important in helping their offensive balance last season that it's good for them to have him back. Savage to the Cavs, 
um, really could have been the sixth man of the year, I think, uh, if we were going strictly based on players who you know appeared in games and made an impact in their limited playing time. He he performed very very well at multiple positions, uh, but all the guys, you know, Sophia Foria, Gilly, STL, um, you know, Jomar, as you said earlier, Haza, uh, Splash King, can definitely add something to their teams that new players potentially would not have been able to, and teams realized this and consequently made probably an easy decision to pull the plug on on drafting those players. Yeah, so it it was twenty three players uh, who were drafted again in this entry draft. So I I want to say that's higher than most people would have guessed. We saw a lot of guesses. I think in that somewhere ten to fifteen range, twenty plus. I don't think a lot of people had, and uh, there were what forty nine unretained players. So almost half. Almost half of them got drafted, which... Yeah, yeah, 48, yeah. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. Um, made a bit of history, Josiah, in the fourth round. Uh, Warriors Gaming Squad selecting Chiquita with their uh, final pick. First woman ever drafted into the NBA 2K League. I wasn't actually on the draft floor when that happened. I was... I was back in the media room, but uh, so I didn't get to see the reaction. But what was that like? It was truly remarkable, um, and I'm, I'm very, very glad it happened. I think it's a great pick in and of itself, but you know, really, basically a standing ovation, as far as I remember. Um, you know, everyone very, very supportive uh, out on the floor. Just a, an amazing moment for the league, for the Warriors, for Chiquita, and and I think for everyone at the draft. Uh, and for the community as a whole, because it's really a landmark moment, uh, a good pick, as I said, in and of itself, and you know, a worthwhile moment for history to be made in. Yeah, <laughs> you should have seen it back there. By like the end of the first round, like the media room was just dead. Like you know, after the first few picks, uh, these like you know local newspapers just trying to get a story. They're done interviewing people. They don't know anything about this league anyway, so. They're out. Uh, when Chiquita got picked, everyone was just coming out of the woodwork <laughs> to get an interview with her. I know who you have in mind. <laughs> and and uh, she had about like a 10-minute interview, 10-minute uh, media scrum with her around. And um, the thing I like is that the reaction was mostly positive, both at the draft and on Twitter. And, of course, you know, you're going to get those few – I have a much stronger word for them, but a few knuckleheads saying dumb things. But uh, this is undoubtedly, I think, good for the league. And um, I'm very excited to see how she does in the league. Absolutely. Very much the same. Very, very exciting. Um, You'll always have those knuckleheads, as we'll continue to use this substitute word. But, you know, no point listening to them. great pick all around um and just keep proving the knuckleheads wrong all right josiah i'm I'm gonna ask you best draft worst draft Ooh, that's that's a tough question uh worst draft is is the easier one for me on on this one because we've already talked about them so much i'll say the bucks for now 
Um, best draft. For me, the best draft probably comes down to, to two teams. Um, you know, potentially three with the Heat. But the Mavs and the Warriors had phenomenal drafts. Um, the Warriors picked up probably the second best overall player in the draft with Gradient at number two. They grabbed Kina at, with the 10th overall pick to, to get a, a true point guard um, in the first round there. And then they hit a, had a great selection with Jin, who played for the Wizards in season one. Love that pick. In Love the third that round. pick. Great, great pick. And then, as we as we said, uh, Chiquita in the fourth round. They they got exactly what they wanted out of this draft. Uh, they did very, very well on all fronts. But I'm going to go with the Mavs. Um, and, oh. And, and that's because we didn't really see, I think, what Dimes can do in season one. Um, and that is, in large part, Dimes' fault. Um, I don't think I don't think that should be sugarcoated. Um, Please it's, don't. It's it's not that Dimes. I think Dimes has all the talent in the world, um, and I think you know the situation that the Mavs were in in season one with all the media hype surrounding Dimes being the number one pick, the face of the league, did not help or ameliorate the situation that he and his teammates were placed in. There were issues with the organization from the start, um, and I think what they did in this draft is they got, simply put, very, very good players, and they got the right players. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how Mo fits in. Um, that's that's the only not for sure um, right off the top, but they got Pete at number five. Pete wants to be there. Um, he's, he's a perfect complement to Dimes. Um, they they grabbed some really really great late round picks. They also picked up Sherm. You know they got Rux and they got Grant. As I said in the fourth round, um, those are all people who can help Dimes showcase the talent that he has. Um, and look, I think also Dave Fry wasn't put in a place to display his full talent in season one. Um, I think he'll he'll have more room for that in. Washington, but you know, as much as you know, I question some of of Dimes' gameplay. Um, I think that he's at the end of the day a very good player who should be able to, alongside his new teammates, work towards a goal and a season resolution that he was not able to accomplish um, in season one. And you know, as I continue to dig myself into a deeper hole in the eyes of many. Um, Dimes, Dimes has some questions to answer this year, um, and, and that shouldn't be sugar-coated either. Um, I, I don't think a team with a number one pick should miss the playoffs two years in a row, especially when he's put in a, a very good position to succeed uh, this year, especially so in considering the players that the organization drafted and how the organization has rejuvenated itself around him you know explicitly so there's a lot of pressure on him there's there's a lot of pressure on him um and to to quote of course john belushi in animal house when the going gets tough the tough get going and the going's already starting to get tough but if it really gets tough here then there are going to be some major major questions that no one in nba 2k league history has 
yet had to answer. Well, to be fair to Dimes, Josiah, he put up he put up some pretty good numbers. I don't he didn't play poorly in season one. I think the Mavs' downfall was mostly getting away from what was working for them for so long, and they were one of at least two teams that tried to make the shot creating slasher work and it failed horribly but you're you're right about he has more control over what's going on with his organization than any one player in the league and you have the first overall pick season one you have the fifth overall pick season two you you gotta you gotta make the playoffs right and if you're right. If if they don't, they have they're going to be facing a lot of scrutiny. I know. I know. Dimes already faces a lot of scrutiny from this community. Maybe not as much from the outside world, but certainly within this community, he does. And those questions are only going to get louder if this team can't do it this year, Josiah. Right. And and I'll give him some credit in that he does maintain a, a professional veneer. Um, and does does say the right things, um, and you know focuses I think more on his game than on the opinions of people hanging around on Twitter all day, uh, of which I count myself among, among whom I count myself. Um, but you know, just just pushing back against something you said. Yes, perhaps it may not have been his choice to run the shot creating slasher. Perhaps. Um, but even when he did, he was not one of the top three shot-creating slashers in the league. It's, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. But, you know, why Why do we prize Rhea so highly as the consensus number one pick? Because he's elite at three positions. Um, and it's, it's certainly sufficient to be elite at one position. Um, but I think that there... What Dime showed on the shot creating slasher points to some s- small but noticeable deficiencies in his overall game that transcend positions. Um, and so, yes, the move to shot cl- shot creating slasher may not have been what was best for him, may not have been of his own volition, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't flaws in his overall game. All right, we're we're talking about dimes too much. Way for, too much for a draft podcast. Draft I podcast. S- <laughs> I will say about the Mavs draft. I'm a big fan of their last two picks in Rux in and uh, Grant Monster, two guys with proven versatility, and I think that's the kind of thing you want to go after with your last two picks in a draft like this. Yeah, no, I, I think they really did a good job on the back end. I've I've given them the highest. Uh, honor so far one one slight you know one other team i do want to mention um because i think their draft is going to get overlooked is the 76ers who oh yeah did a remarkable job you know and you know it's not like they did so much to do it but they certainly you know pulled the trigger when when the time came bread they, bread dropping to 19 was a gift for absolute them. absolute present under the tree um really really good pick for them there um and then it's literally exactly what they needed josiah and they got it at 19 uh, uh, it's remarkable uh, at 19 yeah yeah. 
it, it's it's remarkable. Um, I, I never thought he would fall there. Um, I had him going as high as fourth overall, but he did fall to them at 19, um, and they're going to get overlooked because they only had two picks in the draft in its entirety. Um, getting bred, you know, vaults them, you know, once again into or should at least into serious contender status. Um, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on Cassius um, at 73 overall. We we are forgetting what the 76ers did last year in terms of identifying point guard talent in the final round of the draft. They were able to pick up CDS, who was a clear choice for retention after the season one. And so if Cassius can provide a similar spark, and I think a lot of people are looking at the 76ers as a team who figures to sit one of their retained players uh, in favor of a second their second draft pick, I think you know the impact that Cassius makes could far supersede uh, the expectations that people have for him based on his draft spot. Yeah, I mean, ZDS was some sixth-round magic for them. We'll see if Cassius can be some fourth-round magic for them this year. Uh, anything else you'd like to talk about, Josiah? I think I think I'm pretty pretty talked out here. Yeah, we we've run about uh, 40 minutes at this point, so I think this is a good time to stop. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Josiah, where can the people find you and all of your wonderful content? Uh, after all these opinions, I'm not sure I want people uh, <laughs> tracking me down. But if you must, then you must, I suppose. Um, at Josiah Cohen 13 on Twitter, and then at Dimer2K as well, Dimer2K.com. Yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, at Will Beverina, B-E-V-E-R-I-N-A, at Dimer2K. Please, please, if you're listening to us and you don't follow us, then what are you doing at this point, I guess I should say? There's levels to uh, this. (laughs) Make sure you follow Len who yes. we, we just yes. added to our staff. Um, Len underscore 2K is his Twitter handle. We are very excited about Len. He made the draft pool, actually, for season two. So we are excited to have uh, that sort of perspective on our team. And he is fairly talented content creator as well. And uh, we're definitely going to be ramping things up with him on board. So go follow him. And uh, I guess that does it for everything. Uh, Thank you again. If you listen to this entire podcast or even just a little bit of it or just skip into the end, we really appreciate the support. And um, I'm sure, Josiah, that at least uh, after the tip-off for sure, we will definitely be doing another one of these. We've been a little inconsistent in the off-season, but once the season starts up, uh, expect weekly podcasts once again. And that's going to do it. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time.